knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When it comes down to it, what are we at our core? We are North American Waterfowl. Welcome to episode number 100 of the North American Waterfowler podcast. My name is Elliot, and this is episode number 100. Um, I'm pretty pretty proud of that. We started this January 1st, right around January 1st of 2023. I decided to start this podcast, and I knew I was going to give it a good go. But a hundred episodes in just over twelve months, I'm excited about that. I'm I'm proud about that. So I've been grinding away, and I'm gonna keep cranking out content to you guys. I may take a break at some point, right around you know uh, April, May, June. I might take a break. We'll see. I don't know. As long as I'm pumped to do it and I'm kicking it out, I'm gonna keep going, and we are going strong. I am aiming for. Six episodes a month. I had been doing eight for a long time. Right now, I'm aiming for six episodes a month. So basically, two on one week, one the next. Two on one week, one the next. So it goes Monday, Thursday, Monday, Monday, Thursday, Monday, Monday. Um, So that's what I'm looking for. Um, Tonight, I've gotten myself into a little bit of a logistic mess. Uh, (laughs) This has been some kind of crazy week. And it has been very, very busy. And so I have had something going on every single day. Now, my job, I work, is I show up there about 745 and I can leave at about 4. On Monday... I had the podcast recording uh, for next Monday, which is a really good one. I pop out 
um, to the Pacific Flyway. I'm sorry. Yeah, the Pacific Flyway and talk to a California duck hunter who's also a professional um, professional shooting instructor. So we talk about the California Flyway and then we also talk about um, shooting and some shooting tips. It's a really good episode. That's next Monday. On Tuesday, I started packing for my weekend trip. I'm going on my second snow goose hunt of the year. Probably my last. I'll hunt Saturday and Sunday, and we'll talk about that more in just a little bit. And so I was packing for that and also processing the podcast from Monday evening, turning them into shorts, uploading. So I'm uploading. I'm turning this into a video podcast, which it has not been a video podcast until now. I hooked up my big Sony NX80 so that I'm using that to get a better quality. And you can see all of those over on the North American Waterfowler YouTube channel. I said that last time, but I was a little bit ahead of myself and I tried to upload it and I, the account wasn't verified yet. So it wouldn't let me put up something over an hour. And so I just put it on the freelance duck hunting YouTube channel. But now I'm verified. It's already up there and ready to roll. I'm going to be cranking out YouTube shorts um, from it. So we're turning this podcast over to a video experience as well. So you can find the shorts right now on Freelance Duck Hunting of these episodes. And then the long form is the North American Waterfowler YouTube channel, which is just going to house these episodes. So I was working on going through all of that. I've been having some audio issues. Uh, or yeah, uh, so with Captain Ruben Perez, we had some audio issues and the audio just didn't come out that great and I lost the video feed to it. It has to do with the system I'm using and things getting uploaded properly and so uh, I was trying to deal with that. So Monday I had the same issue again with Mr. Vix and so I was dealing with Tuesday night. I was dealing with making sure that that audio came out right. Because if you listen to the Sea Duck Hunting episode, there were some pops and some crackles. And, and that's the reason why. And so I was having the same thing take place on Tuesday. So um, I spent time taking care of that. Plus, I've been playing a little bit online spades lately. If you have never, if you like card games and you've never played spades, you are missing out. It is the best card game on the planet. It's like four or three, four games wrapped up into one. It is a phenomenal card game. And I've got a long history of playing spades. Um, I've even played spades competitively one time. And so I've been, that's like my de-stressor. If I get in two or three games of that online at night, uh, that's like my distressor. And so Wednesday, then tonight I had to go to cardiac rehab and then when I came home, um, tried to chill with the family for a little bit and knowing that I had to record this podcast here and I just didn't feel like it. I just didn't feel like it. I don't know, man. From from the time that I woke up, I was sluggish today. And I went to cardiac rehab and I'm feeling kind of bad about myself because I'm just not in the mood to be social. I don't know. I feel like, you know... I can be a very, very social person, but I'm in this cardiac rehab group and all they're doing is making me walk quickly on a treadmill with sensors plugged up to me. So I'm not going to be doing it much longer. I got a treadmill in my house. And, but there's like three other guys there and I just am not in the mood 
to be social when I'm at that group. I'm not in a mood to talk to these guys. And it makes me feel bad about myself because I am naturally can be very introverted. And one of the problems that I have is that if you're not talking to me about subjects that I really like, waterfowl hunting, um, my spirituality, apologetics specifically, um, gosh, unfortunately that's about it. Uh, I, I just, I'm not a small talker, you know, just to talk to talk. I find when I talk to people in situations, I can tell that when you talk and say things, people don't really give a damn, quite honestly, is how I, how I feel by the most people. So I'm in that, I'm in that small, you know, group at cardiac rehab where we're all around, we got to do stretch, we got to do this, do that. And these guys are chitter chattering a little bit and, and it, it, even when I say a sentence or two, I just feel like you guys don't care. You guys don't really care about what I say, which is fine. That's no problem. It doesn't bother me. I just, you know, I just don't have the desire to socialize with them, but I shouldn't feel that way. I I should I should want to connect. I should want – and I just don't really want to. I mean if some of them all of a sudden sparked up with a conversation with me about duck hunting or something like that, you know um, – I'd be all over it. But even like even in situations where people find out, you know, that I duck hunt and they kind of ask some questions about it, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I, point being is I wish that I was the type of person that just really wants to pour into people no matter what. And that sucks about me. And I know some people that are like that and I see them being like that. And I just wish, you know, I wish I was more like that. Anyway, I don't total tension. But by the time I got home, I was tired. Um, I think we had this week. I think it's because this cold front we had come in. It actually sleeted, snowed last night. And so I started a fire when I got home. We, man, we burned so many fires. I've burned about a quarter of wood, almost a quarter of wood this summer just in my fireplace. Um, we just burn fires all the time. And I knew I had to record this podcast. I just didn't feel like it. So here it is, 10 o'clock. And I am just now hitting record, and this has got to come out to you guys Thursday morning. I still have to process it, which I live in the country in this little, I don't know what to call it, this little groove in the landscape where wireless internet does not get to me very well. Now, I've got Elon Musk Starling, thank God, but still, it's really slow. So if I'm going to upload this 4K video to that youtube channel that that i did the one last night i put it on um 2160 4k no joke it took when i woke up in the morning it had been going for eight nine hours and it was kind of uploaded but it still said four hours left just to finish processing it so i mean it takes a long time i've got to add on um anyway in edit editing these podcasts is not really difficult but it can be a little time consuming i gotta put it in with the intro and i gotta so woody's is on tonight and i gotta take that woody's clip which we've already recorded and attach that onto there i've got to upload it um through the audio format so it goes out all the podcast outlets and put in the little ad break there which by the way i don't know if you noticed this or not i had been running two ads at the beginning and then four ads in the middle and two at the end that's not right. Somehow I was doing 
Anyway, I'd been running seven ads total. I don't know where they were broken. And several people reached out and said, too many ads, too many ads. It, it just breaks the flow. And when I got that feedback, I automatically cut it back. So now I guess you get three at the front, and I'm only putting two in the middle in there somewhere. I heard you guys on that, and I cut it back. And any kind of – I do not make tons of money off, off this podcast um, at all. But money that I get, and I've got the the partners when I get a little bit there, but the money, you know, I can get through these ad inserts. And so when I take those two out of there, it's directly lowering the money I get. But the most important thing to me is I want this to run smoothly. And I heard you guys on that. There was too many ads. And and um, so I hope that you feel like it's at a good balance right now where there's only that one break in the middle. Um, so um, I heard you on that. Um, but I've got a lot to do tonight. It's 10 o'clock and it's going to be a late one. I mean, I bet you that I'll probably have to be messing with this until 12 or 1230. And for me though, the thing is, if I am not asleep by midnight, I can like completely tell the difference in the morning. If I fall asleep at 1130 to 1145, I'm pretty much fine. If I fall asleep at 12.15 to 12.30, I 100% feel the difference in the morning. It's crazy. It's like that little zone. So I'm going to hit that zone. Tomorrow, I've got to fully finalize all the packing. Oh, and i got to go pick up my new boat, which I'm going to tell you about in a second. I'm really excited about it. I hope I'm making a good decision. I'm going to talk about that. I hope I'm making a good decision because I don't really – it's so hard to evaluate used boats. At least for me, I'm not like this boat guru guy that knows, oh, you know, this and that, and this is what you should pay for. I don't know. But I think this is a good deal. I hope. I know I'm getting something I'm really excited about. I'm going to talk about that in a second. So after I get off school tomorrow, I've got to go to the bank, get the money, go pick up the boat, come back here, do all my packing because I'm leaving Friday right after work. I've got to put together um, the final approach, knockout, lightweight knockout blind, which takes a little bit of time. Um, so it's going to be a full night again. And then if we hit Friday and Matt, my buddy Matt Bocci is flying in here. I'm so excited about him coming in here. He's flying in here and we're out of here Friday right after work. And then we're going to camp out. I've not done a snow goose camp weekend for probably three or four years. We used to do it every single year. But it's been a while. I think three years since we've done it. We used to camp like three, four times uh, a year. We would camp a couple times during teal, like maybe once or twice during September, once during October, and then once at the end of February, early March, like three times a year. And I just really, really miss that. And... Woody was going to come with me on that trip, and unfortunately, he couldn't go. I'm really bummed about that, but I was able – I put a, a ring out to Matt Bocci, who was the first ever Patreon winner, patreon.com slash freelancedilkunning. Guys, you can go over there and support me and get in on this. Um, we've had three hunt giveaway winners. Matt Bocci has become a personal friend. We have hunted together so many times. He won that giveaway. He came out here, had the hunt of his life, one hunts of my life. He came out the next year, like stayed at my house like 10 days or something, got skunked a ton of times. <laughs> then we met um, up north. 
with my buddy Phil Boyles and just smashed him this year, and here he is again. That's the type of – some of those relationships blossom over Patreon, on Patreon, honestly. Um, I've hung out with multiple people on Patreon, um, and some of which I'm good friends with and I haven't hunted with, but it's going to happen. So come on over. Get to know me over on Patreon, patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. Help support what I'm doing and just hang out. See the live recordings. And you can get, if if you sign up for the um, $5 membership, you can get a North American Waterfowler account. Well, come on over there. But I'm so excited that Matt's like, yeah, I think I can do this. I just, I'm like, man, Woody can't do it. Let's just see if Fachi can go. Because I know that he would love this trip. This camp out trip. I know that he would love it. Oh, I called him just like, just on a whim. You never know. I mean, you never know. Let's just see if he can do it. And he's like, I'm, I'm like, hey, is there any chance you could just fly in and snow goose hunt next weekend? He's like, I'm looking at flights now. I was like, yes, please let this work. Please let this work. And it did. And so this camping weekend is just going to be Vachi and myself camping. Fumbles and my mom are going to be in an Airbnb. Aiden, golden boy, he lives down there. So he'll, he'll be, you know, we're using his socks and he's, you know, he'll be down there and probably hang out with us at the campsite. But these weekends, these snow goose weekends, it's not about killing a bunch of snow geese. It's the waterfowl experience and the visual spectacles that you get to see when you snow goose hunt, at least where we do it. Now, some people, if you're just setting up in a field, then you may or may not get all of this, but we spend a lot of time around marshes. We don't uh, snow goose hunt the marshes, although we do stock in the marshes, but we're going to lay out in a cornfield for a while. We're going to do a little stocking in the marshes. And there are, I know already there are thousands and thousands and thousands of snow geese there. There are thousands of ducks. There are thousands of ducks. So, and I'm going to tell you more about my first trip, but so it's just a peaceful, watch the sun go down over a fire, have a few cold ones, um, see all the ducks flying around, even at sunset and the geese and hearing it and experiencing it. And, and at that time of year, you're normally, there's no one else at the campground. So you got the whole campground to yourself. It is the most relaxing waterfowl experience of the year and it puts an end to the 2023 2024 season it puts anytime you do that that's like that that's like the final hurrah of the waterfowl season and it is just beyond enjoyable and i cannot wait for matt to get to experience it Um, it, duck hunting is a little bit of a rat race sometimes on public land you guys know that and this waterfowl experience is not that it's as chill and relaxed and I would like my goal is to kill between five and ten snow geese on the weekend. If I kill three, that's fine. I want to kill a few. But other than that, it's just hang out, enjoy the campsite, enjoy seeing so many birds all around the place. Go put binoculars on the marsh, just watch the ducks for a while. Maybe I can get some, you know, just some video of, of some ducks just for the heck of it. It's such a wonderful time. It's such a wonderful time. And I'm going to tell you about my last time here in a second. Let's go ahead, and I'm getting a little bit long-winded. Let's go ahead and, and talk about the partners. If you want to help support me, support the sponsors. It really does help. Final approach, every time that I use more of their equipment, I'm just more 
and more impressed. I have now used their lightweight knockout blind three times that I got this year, and I love it. It is so much superior to the layout blinds I was using. It's light. It's easy to set up. We're going to be using two of them this weekend. I've got to put one together tomorrow because it's still in the box. FABrand.com. FDH10 is your 10% code. So go and check out their stuff when you're ready to purchase something. Before you make any purchases, all I ask is that you go check out FABrand.com and just see, just compare. What do they got? What's the prices? You know, what are the reviews on it? Just take a look at it. I don't I don't think that you will regret just seeing what they've got over there. Uh, motionducks.com, jerk rig, the best jerk rig on the market. When you want water, when you want motion on the water. Motion Ducks Decoy Spreader System is the way to go. And on X Hunt, download it. If you haven't, you are living in the Stone Ages, man. I'm I'm not even joking. You it's like it's like not having email in the early two thousands. Come on, let's go. On X Hunt, go get it. Everyone's got it. It is worth every single penny that you will pay. All right, so I want to go on it today, and I want to talk about my last trip out there, my first snow goose hunting trip, talk about the boat I'm picking up tomorrow, and then we'll bring Woody on here for a Woody's Top 5. So two weekends ago, two or three weeks, I think two weekends ago, I made a trip out. My wife and I actually got an Airbnb in the area, the same area that I'm going to be in, and I was going hunting with Jeremy. Golden Boy and Golden Boy's dad. And Golden Boy lives in that area, so he was patterning these birds all week. And they had been using this wheat field. Um, and so Aiden's got about a 1,000 socks. And we got those all set up in the morning. Annoying part was it was the coldest day for like the last month, and the ground was frozen, and putting socks into frozen wheat field is not fun. It's not a fun thing at all. And I, I would tell you, if I'm going to buy socks, I am never going to buy socks that aren't spiked at the end. We had, and I don't even know who the makers of these are. Um, I'm not sure. But Aiden's socks, the first ones we were using were spiked at the end. And I was having problems getting them into the ground. But, you know, they've got a little spike on the end. They're, they're pointed, so you could do it. And if I had had a hammer, it had been much easier. We didn't really have the tools that we needed. But then we ran to the second batch, and they were flat on the bottom. And, oh, my gosh. What a absolute pain in the butt those were to try to get in the ground. So we got everything set up. We were a little bit late in getting ready because I guess we just kind of hadn't anticipated it taking that much longer. Um, oh, and I said Aiden's dad was with us, but he wasn't. He was there the weekend before. So it was just me and Aiden and, and Jeremy. And then right off the bat, there were tens of thousands. I can't. When there's this many snow geese, I have no idea. How many there are? It could have been a hundred thousand. It could have been fifty thousand. It's beyond my ability to count it. When it's this many, tens of thousands, fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand. I don't know. Just everywhere, 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 everywhere. But they weren't really looking at at our setup. Instead, they went and landed just a mile away from us in the same landowner's field. They went and started piling up. And shortly thereafter, we did. We we were in these layout layout blinds. I had the final approach lightweight knockout blind. We were laying right in front of this hay bale, and then Stella was on 
the right. Georgie was on the left in their little blinds. And we had two just come right from behind us. We didn't even see them until they were 15 yards in the deep. They came right over our shoulders and turned right into us. And boom, I nailed a beautiful eagle head blue, that white head, beautiful bird. Aiden killed the other one. That was fun. But nothing else was even really looking at us. And this huge, massive spin just kept happening. Oh, just a mile away, like I said, in the same wheat field or the same series of wheat fields, same landowner just landing um, like a mile away. And I got some awesome video of that. And we just kept sitting there and kept sitting there and just more and more and more and more kept piling in there. And and I'm never really unhappy when that's happening because seeing that massive tornado spin of, of snows both a blue sky behind them circling down in there is never a boring thing, but you want to kill some, we want, you want to kill some. So it got to the point where it was like 11, 15 and we'd only killed those two and it just, nothing was changing. So we decided we were going to go and have lunch and then just come back and see what happened. I, I kind of was like, man, this is probably not the smartest idea leaving. Cause you know, snow geese, Man, they'll sit and they'll all get up and fly around and they'll sit or they'll they'll go back to front feeding where there's a big feed group and they and they work a certain direction. The, the back of them flies to the front and then they leapfrog each other and they move in a certain direction. And it's like when you're trying to stalk them and you can find that way that they're moving, leapfrogging each other, it makes stalking them really, really easy. And one thing that we do when we stalk that I think some people don't know, I, I could tell because um, I was with Jeremy and I'm talking to him. I'm not sure that he was quite uh, how much he's stock snow geese because I was, I was trying to explain it to him and he understood that if you're crawling and sneaking on snow geese my goal is not to jump shoot them i don't want to drop a hundred snow geese and have to clean and eat all those i really really don't want to do that my goal is to get as close to them as i can preferably if they're leapfrogging from back to front back to front back to front then you just get in front of that pattern and eventually you will be inundated with snow geese all around you. And they will, and that is the viewing spectacle that I want. I want thousands, tens of thousands of snow geese right in my face where I can watch them for a good long time and then take the most prime perfect shot that I can take. Preferably decoying down in in front of you into the natural decoys and you take those. Now, if if I end up where they flush up and, and you flock shoot, I mean, Aiden and I shot, I think, I don't know, 50 with six shots two years ago um, doing this where it just happened that way. And I thought, man, that was a little more than what I wanted to kill. But that that's the goal for me It's like really be in the middle and experience what it's like to be completely engulfed in snow geese for as long as possible. And then you take the most beautiful, iconic shot with their feet down as you possibly can. Or they all get up and they circle around and you're taking a shot at a wall of them right above you. That's what I like to do. That's what I like to do when we stalk. But we weren't stalking at this point. We just went, we went to lunch. Aiden went to take a nap. And so Jeremy and I went and ate. It was so much fun to hang out with him, really becoming a good friend. We, I met him for the first time. My first video, teal hunt number one, he was on there. He was on several teal hunts. And I hunted with him the last weekend when we just absolutely crushed them um, two days in a row. 
and he was on those hunts too. Just really getting to know him. Great guy. Love hunting with Jeremy. Wish he lived closer to me. So we came back from lunch. It was like one o'clock or something. And the snow geese were still in the field, but they were way closer to our spread. They were probably 400 yards now away from our, our spread. And still everybody, every bit as many of them, thousands and thousands and thousands. They were just been in the field this long, still more coming in, some going out, more coming in. And so we were able to kind of sneak up to our um, layout blinds and get down on the layout blinds. Now, there was a, a ditch from our layout blinds, like a little um, slough. Not a real deep one, a shallow one, but a little bit of a slough that we had our layout blinds in right up against this wheat field. And the slough went about that three, 400 yards to the east and then took a dog leg to the left. And right at the end of that slough, that's where the birds were staging up. They were moving towards us. So we could, we debated, and I'm making this video. I don't have it out yet, but it's an awesome video. And so it's going it's to go on, on YouTube within, I don't know, within a week or two. Um, I'm taking my time with it, but it's going to go out. You got to see it. And so if we crawled up to that point, it seemed like we could probably jump shoot them and get a shot. But that's not really what I wanted to do. I could tell Jeremy kind of wanted to do that, but we debated it because they were now in that phase of moving towards us. And so we decided we were just going to lay down in the layout blinds and let these snow geese work towards us. And just see the visual spectacle. Because one, normally once you shoot into them, it's over. You know, once you start banging away right into them, deal's done. And so I wanted to get as much of that experience as humanly possible on this. And so the, they kept leapfrogging and they were getting closer. And they were getting closer. And they, they jumped that slough. And now they're in the actual wheat field that we're in. Our decoys probably were extended 125 yards, and they got to the point where the tip of them, they were mounting up right on the outside of our decoy spread. And we were in the slough, and there was a wheat field behind us too. And they were mounting up back behind us in that wheat field. They were actually closer to us behind us. We had the layout blinds up right up against a hay bale, and they were actually getting closer to us from behind and I got a lot of really cool video of this. And so they're getting closer and they're getting closer and they're getting closer. And, they're get- and I'm like, this is going to be absolutely epic. Already it was like, Jeremy's like, I don't care if we kill anything. This is so, because you look up in the blue sky and you'd see thousands of them tornadoing out of the, out of the clear blue. If you get that many snow geese above you and a clear, dark, deep blue sky behind them, the contrast of those things is unbelievably beautiful it just I, I could lay there and just watch that forever and so the idea was we're gonna let them just keep working keep working keep working come into the decoys and when they were just completely full in the decoys we were gonna let our group hopefully come right into our face and shoot like that decoy in group maybe I probably would just go ahead and try to shoot a triple out of those, or you could shoot those. And then on the rise, then Jeremy had his plug out. I know I normally don't take my plug out. I, I probably should. I just, I don't, for me, if I get a pass, three shots is enough. Cause I'm not trying to kill, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to just fill the freezer with these things. Like I said, it's just about the experience. 
So ideally, if you wanted to, you could take that one shot, and then as the whole group got up, you could just shoot into them and you know, shoot a lot more. So I really, really thought this was going to take place. I really did. Um, and as snow geese do, every now and then, they will all get up and circle around low and then land right back down. And normally, from my experience, they land back in the same place. Um, they might shift a little bit. So the first time they jumped up and did that, they actually shifted a little closer to us. And so I'm like, oh, it is absolutely on. Then they got up about 10 minutes later and they shifted farther away from us. And they were they remained in the same wheat field, but they went from being like 150 yards from us to like 600 yards, 700 yards from us, maybe 500, I don't know. And so I'm like, dang it, man, this is not going to And And we had, during that time, we had this one single come within 10 yards of us. And looking back at it, I think we could have killed that one and, and that would not have affected them from what happened from this point on. So once they moved farther away, we decided to go into stock mode now. Because we had been, what this had gone on for like 30 minutes maybe, 40 minutes, 45 minutes, where we're just watching and we're getting this viewing pleasure. Now, down the end of the slough, they were still they were st- still down there on the other side of the slough. So we thought we could belly crawl that 400 yards right to the end of the slough and then pop up and, and or wait for them or pop up either one. Um, but we thought it was time time to stock. So um, and we went ahead and did that. We belly crawled the whole way. G is a champ. Georgie, my black lab, is a champ when it comes to stocking snows. She does such a great job with it. And we got clear to the end there. And when we got to the end, I realized, man, these birds on the other side of this weren't quite as close as what we thought. But they, I still thought that they were in killable range. So we hopped up, sprayed into them, and only dropped one out of there. So I'm like, I was really, really surprised. Because when I was pulling the trigger, I was pulling the trigger into a wall of snow geese. And I thought it was, you know, it's 45 yards or something. I really expected three or four or five of them to drop out of it. And it just didn't happen. But they still just got up, milled around, and went basically down in this exact same spot. I mean, the ones we shot at went a little bit more with the other ones that were, like I said, 600 yards from us in the wheat field. But they were still right there. So we're in this slew, and I'm like, let's just wait. Let's just see what happens. And it only took like five minutes. They all got up, and the whole pack came right over us at about 25 30 yards and so we laid into him there i just smashed one of my first shot when you're shooting at that many birds like a wall of white it is so difficult to see things drop that you kill because it's it's like visually there's so many little individual birds in that that it's just hard for your your eyes aren't equipped to like handle that um but we end up dropping five out of that so I think five, four or five. So we ended up with on the stock, maybe it was four. Anyway, we ended up with five or six on the stock and we felt really, really good about the experience. And those numbers still didn't leave. They basically went back and went back down the same place, except a little bit farther. And by this time, Aiden shows up 
And we kind of tried to sneak on them again. And Aiden's like, I think we just need to get these birds out of here and try to decoy birds. And so I'm like, okay. So we, we got up, kind of ran at them. They flushed. They took off. We went back to the decoy, laid in it. And then the last, right this time, we're like down to like the last 45 minutes of the day to an hour of the day. And we shot like six or seven in the decoys that last part of the day. And we ended up with, I think, 13 on the day. And in that last half hour, I really regret how I handled this. There was a there, there was a lot of ducks that were now starting to fly, mostly pintails, widgeon, some mallards, but not majority mallards at all. Um, and this duck feed started about a mile, mile, mile and a half. I'd say a mile and a half from us. It, I've never seen a duck feed like this. I am telling you, it was clouds and clouds and clouds of ducks tornadoing down into this field. And at that time, I would have much rather had gotten up, gone to my truck, because I had my camera with me. I was making a video, driven over there and just gotten video of this thing because that would have been much more interesting to me and satisfying than shooting a couple more snow geese because I've never, from a distance, I've never seen anything like, like that. I mean, it was, I, I don't know how many. It was unreal, and it wasn't mallards. It wasn't mostly mallards, and the video and I could have got on that just would have been spectacular just to go and watch it, binoculars, and see it. Again, these weekends for me are just about the spectacle of the waterfowl experience, and man, what a fun hunt it was. So tomorrow, this weekend, we're going to hunt Saturday and Sunday. It's the same type of thing, but I'm going to try to get in a stock in some marsh areas, um, and I think it's just going to be the time uh, of of – of my life. I think it's just going to be phenomenally fun. Uh, and I will let you guys know how it goes. I don't think I'm making a video this weekend. I kind of plan on just not. Maybe I should. I probably should. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to tell you real quick about my boat purchase. And then we will get into Woody's top five. Before we do that, I want to leave you or transition you with a song. This is one of I've never played this song for you guys, but it was in my top five on Spotify. This is Museum of Flight by Damien Gerardo. It is a phenomenal song, one of my top fives. Here we go. Falling to the ground, I was anxious to be found. You can always go home to the safety of your cloud. Don't I need you to hang around I'm so broke And foolishly in love
Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. All right, thank you for joining me coming back. We're going to get to Woody, but before we do that, I want to tell you about my boat. I hope it's an upgrade. I think it's an upgrade. So right now, we've got an 1854. That's 18 feet long, 54 inches wide. A well-built, really tough cargo boat. It holds a lot of stuff. It's got high sides. It's safe. And on that, we've got a Go Devil 35 horsepower surface drive. Now, it turns out the issue we're having is that 35 surface drive just isn't quite enough motor to push that 1854. It's just not. I mean, that thing really only runs at about 32 horse. Um, even though it's a 35, it really only runs about 32. I took it in to get it tuned up to hope that would help, but it really didn't. So at tops, it's like 32, 33. Um, and you boat guys, if you're like, man, I know how to fix that, please let me know. Would love to get it up to 35, but it's just too slow. It's just too slow. I have timed, I have, I've done the speed on it, and we had it to 22 miles an hour when it was just my dad, myself, our dogs, and no equipment at all. It was at 22 miles an hour, which is fine. I, I would be happy with something in the you know 20 to 25 range. But when you get that thing loaded down with equipment and people, it's more like 12 to 14 miles an hour. And if you're going long distances, like when we're up on the river north, it just is painfully slow. We've got that heavy boat line on it that's like metal. We've got all the gear and you people. It's painfully slow. And so either I want to upgrade the motor to like a 45 horse or downsize and make get a lighter boat, one of the two. But I love the safety factor of the boat we've got. It's a tank. It's deep hold. So, I mean, there's like no fluff in it. It's just like it's a cargo machine. It carries the gear. It's tough on ice. I can break ice and feel totally safe. <coughs> but I just can't handle how slow it is. So my idea is to downsize to a 1654 boat. And keep the same motor. It's going to be a lot cheaper to downsize to a 16-foot boat than to upgrade the motor. And my hope is if we cut two feet off the boat, then it'll go from you know 12 to 14 miles an hour, fully loaded, up to 20-plus. Now, I don't know that that is going to be what happens. That's my theory. That That's what my goal is. And if I get through this whole trade 
And I'm like, well, because of these reasons and these factors, this boat's actually about as heavy as that one. And, and like researching and finding boats online is just a mess. And evaluating the price is just very I'm, – I'm just not good at that. So I found – I just had this idea this week. I'm like, I want to look for a 16-something. And right in my town, I found – an Express, a 2009 Express 1654 with a 22 or a 40 horsepower Mercury motor on it. Now, I don't want that motor because we're going to take our 35 horse Go Devil and put it on there. And um, so I, we're going to swap the motors out. So my thought is if I make this switch where I buy this boat, and then I'm going to sell our other boat and this Mercury motor and hope to break even on that because I, I don't know. This boat is a nicer boat. The interior is nice, nicer. The trailer is nicer. Um, it's, it, it's just shorter, but it's, it, it's a nicer. It looks nicer. So I don't know with the Mercury and this 1854, I'm hoping I can sell, sell it for about the same price and just break even and then end up with that 1654 with the go devil 35 horse on it. And I get out there and boom, look at that. Even fully loaded. We're going about 20 miles an hour. That's my hope. Now, if, if I make this, this switch and the speed isn't what I want, I still have, I feel like a nicer boat, nicer trailer, than I did before, but it can't carry as much gear. I think it's as safe. It's just shorter. And I don't think the safety is an issue. So that's what I'm doing. Um, that's the switch that I'm making. And I hope that it works out in my favor. So if you have any comments on what you think of this boat switch, um, which, which the 1854 we've got now is well built. Um, and the one I'm getting is an express 2009. So if you have any uh, ideas on man, this don't tell me don't call me and tell me not to do it because it's done it's happening it's today as you listen to this if you listen to this on thursday i'm getting this thing tonight so don't call don't tell me don't do it don't do it don't say that <laughs> it's, it's done it's a done deal but that that's that's where we're at that so it'll be I'm, I'm excited to get that boat and to get I may take it out with that Mercury and run it around before I swap out motors and just see how fast it goes with that thing on it for fun. That 40 horse, that would be fun to do. So, all right. Um, we're going to go ahead and bring Woody on right now, and that's going to be our show for today. So let's go ahead and bring on Woody. All right, boys, let's get this wrapped up so we can get back to hunting. It's Woody. All right, well, here we are. We've got Woody coming on for another edition of Woody's Top 5. How is it going today, Woody? Well, Elliot, I tell you, it's, it's time of year. It comes around every year. We all hate it. We all dread it. If you know it's going to happen. I ain't talking about taxes. I'm talking about duck depression. Season's starting to wind down. Yeah. A lot of us are done shooting for the year. Got to get our guns all cleaned up, start hanging the decoys back up in the shed. 
putting the clothes away, it all starts to set in how realistic it is that we ain't going to get to hunt again till next fall. Yeah. I know some of some some folks are probably still shooting snow geese and stuff right now, but for a lot of us, it's all said and done. All we got left to do is dream about next year now and figure out how we're going to get enough money to buy the stuff we want to, for next season and to replace the things we tore up. But I'm feeling a little blue, but uh, me and old Lynn, we had a, we had a good season this year. And so uh, we had a lot of fun, made a few memories, made a few mistakes, you know. But anyhow, just sitting around feeling a little melancholy today, I'm not going to lie. It's all right, though. I, this, I've been looking forward to this all day, so give me a little excitement to look forward to. Yep, it hits hard, doesn't it, at that time of year? Oh, it is. But the days start getting longer. Start thinking about going fishing a little bit or getting out working in the yard. Oh, then life goes on. All right, well, tonight I've got the top five for fellas that are getting ready for next year to start thinking about next year, maybe top five decoy weight alternatives. I see we, we ain't all, we didn't all grow up having corporate sponsorships with these big waterfowl industry people like you do. And so some of us have had to come up with creative ways to keep our decoys from washing away over the years. Now I, I will admit, I don't use many of these anymore, but looking back on it, sitting around thinking about all the past duck hunts and memories and going through photo albums and such. I started thinking about, so I thought I'd write these down for you. Number five, most of these are old things, things me and old Lim had to do throughout the years to be able to to duck hunt because we couldn't go out and just buy fancy duck weights. Number five was, and this was more me and old Lim was, we just out of high school. Uh, there's a there's a feller give us a bunch of old duck decoys and they were them uh, they were like a, a shredded cardboard kind of material like almost like a paper mache you ever seen them you remember them at all yeah was years ago yeah. yeah yeah he gave us a whole uh, a couple of potato sacks full of them old decoys and and uh, we we painted them up real good with some got some paint that you paint basement walls with. We painted them up, kind of water seal them a little bit, but we didn't have, all we had, we had some string, but we didn't have any kind of weights for them. And so, uh, old limb said, I, I think I can, I can come up with something. So I kind of forgot about it and the season rolled around. It was time to get ready to start hunting. I said, did you ever get weights for those decoys? He said, yeah, I got a whole bucket full of weights. I said, oh, good. I went over there to his house and we had them in the garage. He pulled out those buckets he had a bunch of wrenches that he bought at a yard sale. <laughs> he bought a, a whole set of old rusty wrenches and crescent wrenches and pliers and all kinds of stuff. He said, well, I only give $2 for all of it. He had two, five guys. I bet he had 60 pounds worth of old oh, tools. So we tied, we tied those wrenches and pliers and channel locks on those decoys. And they worked just fine. <laughs> oh, good grief. <laughs> Looking back on that, Elliot, I'll tell you, it's a, it, it, <laughs> <laughs> Makes me I don't think I'd want to carry that decoy bag on my back. <laughs> <laughs> we, he had some uh, carpenter knives and stuff like that, but I wouldn't let him use them because I was afraid we'd get jabbed with a blade or something. <laughs> Jeez. 
All right, number four. Now, number four. This one, we didn't come up with this one. There's a there's a fellow that that hunted on the lake there, the strip mine lake, just down probably a half a mile down the lake from us or so, and uh, the the water in that those lakes is it can be anywhere from fifty to one hundred and fifty foot deep, and the wind comes howling down through there. It'll blow your decoys clean away. And there's an old fella that uh, he hunted down there, and he had a big spread. He always put out a big spread of goose decoys, goose floaters. They, boy, they killed a ton of geese down there. But he worked for the railroad. And so when the, when the decoys wouldn't stay where they're supposed to for everybody else, his always just hung right in right where, they, right where he wanted them. We found out he worked for the railroad. He'd bring home big containers full of them railroad spikes, old used railroad spikes they'd pull up out of the train track. And so he'd tie them railroad spikes on the end of the decoy string. You couldn't hardly pull them back up at the end of the season. So a lot of times he'd just cut them off and leave them on the bottom and get new ones the next year and tie them on. But if you've ever held a railroad spike in your hand, it, it'll hold oh, a decoy. It, it won't let it move. They're heavy. Those are They're really super heavy. heavy. Yes, they are. They are. They, yeah. But uh, <laughs> these are it, not you six ounces. That. I promise you that. <laughs> you never saw his decoys floating around the lake because they weren't going nowhere. I'd, I'd love to go back there now <laughs> with a magnet and, and search the bottom of that lake because he did it every year. The ones that get stuck in the butt, he just cut them off, leave them laying. I'll bet you there's 200 yeah. railroad spikes on the bottom of that lake right there. Oh, All right. Man. Uh-oh, hang on a second. Number three. Now, this one, I, th I thought this was pretty ingenious back in the old days before they had all these fancy Texas rig decoys and whatnot. Uh, there's an old boy that, that owned a garage there in town. He did a little tinkering, you know, just uh, changed oil for folks and changed head gaskets or whatever. And so he kept a – he had a – 55-gallon barrel that sat there next to the shop full of old scrap metal stuff. And he had thousands of spark plugs in there. Well, that's what he'd use for his decoy weights. He'd use spark plugs. Now, you might be thinking, why in the world would you use spark plugs? <laughs> but what he'd, you remember back before the Texas rig decoys and tying them all and sliding the weights and all that jazz, decoy, you had to wrap them around the keel of the decoy and try to right, tuck them right. or bend them or well, he'd, yep. he'd wrap a string around the keel of that decoy, and then that spark plug was threaded on the end. And he'd thread it through the hole on the base of that decoy, hmm. thread them through there, and they didn't come loose for nothing. He'd throw them in a sack. Next time you got ready to hunt, pull them out, huh. untwist it, throw it out there, oh, ready to some. go. Yep, some old spark plugs worked pretty good. And, of course, you know, he was hunting in water that was a, a foot deep and not moving, so he didn't have to worry about him washing away because the spark plug ain't real heavy. Right. But it, he right. avoided the mess. There's plenty of times I'd think, boy, I'd give anything for a few spark plugs right now. A decoy yeah, be a, right. a, big, a big rat's nest of spaghetti-looking stuff there with all the strings tied together. <laughs> now, yeah. Again, that was back when we was poor and desperate. Number two. Now, this one, they say necessity is the mother of invention. Uh, me and Lynn was hunting out on the river one year and the water was way up and flooded and the current was moving pretty swift down through there. And, uh, we was trying to put decoys out. We'd throw them out and they'd just start washing off down the creek. We'd have to get in the boat and go get them. And finally I said, Lim, I'm tired of this. I ain't, 
I ain't fighting this no more. We don't even have time to hunt because we're too busy putting decoys out and chasing them down. I said, I paid too much for them things to have them wash away and gets hung up in a brush pile or something. He said, all right, hang on a minute. I said, he said, I, I remember there's a junk pile back here in the, uh, just maybe 200 yards across the woods there on a little hill. There's a place where folks used to drive out and dump their junk, their garbage. He said, I'll run over there and see if I can find something we can use for weights that'll hold them. Probably 10 minutes later, I heard him sloshing back across there. He said, I got something. I got something. He come over there. <laughs> you know what a window weight is? You remember window weights? You ever seen them in old no. houses? They, they look mm -hmm. like a, they look like a big turd, but <laughs> they're about a foot long. Mm -hmm. And they're just a big hunk of iron that got a hole drilled through the end of it. And they would fit inside the window casing on the windows. And when you'd raise and lower them old wooden windows, it would help hold the window up. When you pull it down, then that weight would raise. There's a pulley okay. at the top. Anyway, a big, big as a corn cob, but okay. made of iron. Well, them come back with a dozen of those. Somebody dumped a dozen or a whole bunch of them window weights out, I guess. Lem had a dozen of them. In his arms, I don't know how in the world he carried oh, that many because he wasn't big enough. But he had a dozen of them things coming across there. He said, "These will hold them." So we we pulled us a dozen decoys up there and tied those window weights on. They didn't go anywhere the rest of the time we were hunting because I don't know how much they weighed. They had to have been four or five pounds a piece. <laughs> oh, good but, grief! But uh, we what we ended up doing we kept those window weights and. Uh, We'd tie them onto the boat. We'd use them when we'd go out bluegill fishing. No, we'd throw them off the end of the boat, use them for boat anchors. <laughs> mm -hmm. oh, but wow. they worked for they worked for decoys that one day. All right, finally, <laughs> again, necessity is always the mother of invention. So I got to take a little, I, I got to take the blame on this one, Elliot. I promised Lim I'd get the stuff ready one year, and, and uh, we got out there to go hunting pulled out the sack and well you know i'd been dealing with that big rat's nest of strings in the fall the, the, right. the spring before i didn't want to mess with them so i just cut them all off and left them laying there in the garage floor kind of forgot about it stuck the decoys back in the bag so when we got out there to hunt i hadn't gotten them ready there were no weights on those strings and of course old Lemmy, <laughs> he's pretty rough on me about it but after about 10 minutes of him giving me a hard time, he said, all right, I think I know what to do. He said, I'll be back. He took off back up the, the trail toward the truck. He's gone about a half an hour. He come back down the trail and he said, all right, get him here. I said, okay, Lim. I handed him a sack and he reached in there and started pulling them out and tying something on, throwing them out over the top of the blind. I knew he was mad. I said, Lim, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to forget. You know, I just had a lot on my mind. He said, it's all right. I got to take care of. He kept throwing them out there. He finally threw, well, I guess I reckon about two dozen decoys out with weights on them. Hmm. We sat there a little bit. And finally, I said, Lim, son, where'd you come up with 25 weights? I said, you didn't have time to go to town. He said, no, I didn't. I said, Liam, listen, I'm sorry. I know I screwed up, and I, I should have done better, and I will in the future. I'll, I'll run by Walmart and buy some weights on our way home. He said, well, you're going to have a hard time getting home. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> he said, well, your truck ain't got no tires on it. I said, but, what are you talking 
He said, what did you think I used for weights? He said, I went back there and got the lug nuts off of your truck. Oh, <laughs> he my took God. all the dirt lug nuts off the truck. <laughs> That's what he was using for weights. <laughs> we got back to the parking lot. He drug a couple of logs up there, put them underneath the truck. It, <laughs> it looked like something from East St. Louis. <laughs> Sitting there with the <laughs> wheels off of it. Nothing. <laughs> bare hubs. Oh, my gosh. So then we had to cut all the string. The, had to cut all the lug nuts back off the string. So we got back to the truck and put the tires back on. We didn't kill a single duck. ducks that day? With... Not oh, a single no, one. Didn't even not, kill a dirt, not a darn duck. <laughs> oh, he went yeah, out there we... and got the lug nuts. Yeah, took hey, them that's all good off. thinking. Every last one of them. Tires were laying. If somebody had come along there and seen that, they they thought it was a crime scene. <laughs> oh, my oh, gosh, Lim. You know what? Uh, come on, Lim. If, if, it wasn't for, if it wasn't for memories like that, hunting wouldn't be near as fun. Yeah, I've never heard of anything like that. That was some, uh, I guess, quick thinking. <laughs> Lim's always been, he's always been pretty quick like that on solving problems. He's a pretty good problem solver. He's a good problem creator, too, but he's a good problem solver. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Top five decoy weight alternatives. All Just right. Well, some help. again, thank you so much for coming on here. I love talking to you every couple of weeks. And uh, I will see you in a couple more weeks from now, okay? All righty. Well, hopefully, I'll be a little little better spirits by then, kind of over the depression, moving on yeah. to something. Yep, I'm sure you'll find something. Get out and do some fishing. or you know, <laughs> I'm sure you'll find something. Yeah, Miss Larnetta's got a list about two miles long for me to get started on, stuff I've been putting off since September. So, Well, tell her that's not going to help your depression. <laughs> There's going to be a depression in the back of my head if I don't get if I don't get it done. There's going to be a depression right here where where my bald spot is. Miss Lornetta's going to wield the frying pan, isn't she? That's it's exactly right. She just switched back over to cast iron pan here a couple months ago. Leaves them. It leaves them. much more noticeable mark at this point. Yeah, yeah. It sure does. That'll put you to sleep for a while right there. all right man well thanks again for coming on this has been another woody's top five well there you go another woody's top five don't forget guys patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting come support me over there join the facebook group and and if you can do me a huge favor and give me a five-star rating it would really really help i love it when we get the ratings and you guys give me encouragement thank you so much for that go on and do that um on apple in particular but also on Spotify and you can, you can leave comments on, on Spotify. There's like a, a Q and a comment section. If you listen to it on Spotify. So hope that you enjoyed today on Monday, we're going to be hopping out to California, talking to Scott Vicks for episode one Oh one and giving you some shooting instruction. So thank you for joining me today. You have listened to another episode of the North American waterfowl podcast.
I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more.